Hello, everybody, and welcome to How I Met Your Monster, the show where we discuss the introductions to your favorite movie monsters. I'm Zach Winsick. And I'm Danny Salim. And we are two filmmakers who love meeting monsters just as much as we love making them. Today's episode is all about hollow, lifeless shells controlled by a higher power and forced to carry out the demands of those who hold the strings. And no, I don't mean humans. I'm talking about puppets. Killer puppets, to be specific. Blade, Jester, Pinhead, Tunneler, Leechwoman, and more. You opened it. We came. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. Who are you? Explorers in further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. Can't hear me, Joining the show today is horror writer and killer puppet expert, Nat Bremer. Welcome to the show, Nat. Thanks for having me. Nat is the author of the brand new book, Puppet Master Complete, A Franchise History. Yeah, yeah. I've been working on this book since uh, early 2018. It's been pretty much three a three-year project. Uh, writing an entire history of the the movies, but uh, the goal with this book to re- was to really cover the franchise overall. And with an independent studio like Full Moon, um, it's the movies, but it's also the action figures and the comics and the replicas and all the things that Full Moon has kept making over time to kind of keep the brand alive and relevant. And I think those two things, the the merchandise and the movies, feed into each other a a lot uh, over the years. And uh, two movies um, have come out uh, since I started writing the book. So that was kind (laughs) of the biggest delay, (laughs) was that uh, uh, pretty much right when I started working on it, the, the, the reboot had just been announced. And then there was literally a whole draft of this book before the the spinoff movie, Blade the Iron Cross, was even announced. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. So that was a big part of why it took so long. But as a, a lifelong fan, I, um, I was thrilled to do this. I was thrilled to have a publisher that, that, that said yes and mm-hmm. to get the ball rolling and to you know, this whole thing has genuinely been a dream come true because this is this franchise I've been obsessed with since I was eight years old. Okay, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and so the the reboot that you're referring to is the Littlest Reich. Am mm-hmm. I correct? Mm-hmm. I saw that at um, the Dead Center Film Festival when it came to Oklahoma City, and. Um, is his name Cuddly Bear in the movie? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, he was there and um, super nice guy. It was a lot of fun. Um, but that was a that was fun to watch in a theater with mm-hmm. people just having a good time and um, I don't know, just reacting to the best parts. Danny, have you seen Littlest Right? No. So that, that's the thing. I thought I had seen Puppet Master when I was much younger because I remember being terrified of these characters but specifically uh-huh. the puppets um and I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting down i'm watching the movie i'm like nope 
nope, I don't, I don't, none of this is ringing a bell. Um, so I'm wondering if I had just seen, cause I used to watch this very random horror movies growing up as like a really young kid that I've just kind of forgotten. They're just in some like back corner of my memory that I had yeah. yet to explore. Um, so I'm wondering if I had just seen some sequels kind of like just not chronologically whatsoever. Right. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. so no, to answer your question, I've not seen the newest one. But after watching this movie, I'm very excited to uh, start digging into the whole franchise because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure Nat can speak to this a little bit better, but I do know that there's some really good ones and then there's a couple duds. For sure. Uh, that's <laughs> kind of the biggest thing is that, um, you know, the the reboot, there's things I love about it and there's things I don't because it's tough to love the, the reboot as a fan of the overall franchise mm-hmm. because there's such a core theme of the puppets being... Uh, essentially um, uh, Jewish victims of the Nazis. And in the reboot, they are Nazis. And the Uh. puppet master, who is is fleeing from the Nazis at the beginning of this original movie, is a a Nazi himself in the reboot. And so it's it's, it's very tongue-in-cheek, so that's that's fine. Like, I'm fine with it existing. But uh, uh, there, there is a disconnect for me. For me there sure um but you know like i said it has plenty of of moments and characters like cuddly bear that that i also enjoy and another martini yeah uh i think i'm gonna order some food too all right larissa what's the order how much would it cost me to uh drop a laxative in the bookish blonde drink 750 dollars that is a very high and specific price. Cully Bear don't want to hurt nobody. Even a hater. But Miss Cully Bear wants herself a new high-def TV. Cully Bear's got principles, but he also got priorities. Markowitz. Cully Bear. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> so do you do you know yeah. if the the creators of the remake were they deliberately trying to you know, basically do a 180 with the approach to the puppets? I believe it was, uh, I think they've even said it was specifically made for people that weren't impressed with the original movies where they felt, uh, I think, uh, like Craig Zoller said at one point, or somebody involved said that, you know, kind of, they felt that uh, the thing, the thing they were promised with the box art was not the movie they got. Like they built it up in their heads as like the craziest, goriest movie you've ever seen. Okay, and so they yeah. wanted to like to make that, and that's like fine for sure. But yeah, uh, as for the overall Full Moon franchise, as time went on, budgets got smaller and smaller and smaller. And one of the things I was afraid of going into this book, being such a, a lifelong fan, is I was a little afraid that it was going to change my relationship with the series like i wouldn't Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be uh as much of a fan if i made like a a multi-year project of it right and because i i did turn it into a lot of work uh but it actually did the opposite because really for a long time my fandom certainly hadn't been what it was as a kid because as a kid i just loved loved all of it you know Mm -hmm. regardless uh, of quality 
And then, you know, by the time we get to like the 2010s, there are, the movies are costing like under a hundred grand. They're being made in a week. Oh my God. And uh, they, they were just tough, tougher for me to love. And working on the book actually did the opposite of what I was afraid it was going to do because um, it actually reinvigorated my love of it. And I started to love the things I didn't love before because I was interviewing the filmmakers. I was knowing how much work went into these. And now like the ones that are in some cases pretty, pretty bad and some of the more recent ones um, I love because it's amazing that they even got a movie made under yeah. those circumstances. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of appreciate it a little bit more knowing what went into it mm -hmm. as opposed to just being some like sure. sort of passive fan. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, cause diving into something like that, you worry that you'll come at it as you're almost, your opinion of it is almost too analytical. So how could you possibly, pre it's like, you know, job versus play, but the fact mm -hmm. that you're able to find that kind of happy medium, that's, that's perfect. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, before we actually go any further, I have a little bit of trivia for the both of you. Oh, God. And it has nothing to do with Puppet Master. I was going to say, sorry. I think Nat's going to win this <laughs> just by default. Well, no, it's not a, it's not a quiz, Dan. <laughs> it's trivia. I know, but it's everything's a, a test. It's a, it's a piece of trivia. Um, myself, Danny, and Nat all attended Full Sail University in Orlando, Florida. That is wild. Zach had wow. Zach had dropped that bombshell on me that you had gone to Full Sail. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> wild. That's awesome. When did you graduate? Uh, uh, October 2013. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was a few years. We were, um, we were January 2009. I oh, I thought it was 08. December. Well, I think the like the ceremony at the Hard Rock Cafe was in two thousand gotcha. was in January. I've I been think. telling everyone two thousand eight. <laughs> well, all, well, pretty much was because I the think resumes are uh, are fraud. <laughs> I think I think they, you could get away with calling it two thousand eight. Um, did you study uh, film production? Yeah, I did. I did a weird thing where I went to uh, like I went to university for uh, writing. Mm -hmm. And I got a, a BFA in creative writing, and then I went to full sale for film. Okay. Because you know I learned to write, but I, I really wanted to make movies, and I got no yeah. practical mm -hmm. knowledge of filmmaking, no hands-on knowledge of filmmaking, you know, at university. So I went to full sale and, and definitely got got that. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty much the opposite of <laughs> mm -hmm. of what you would have got at the other at university. Um, uh, and yeah, Dan was kind of the, <laughs> Dan kind of wanted to do what you did. Right. But <laughs> you didn't go to university first. You just went to full sale and yeah, wanted to write. I just went to full sale. <laughs> I, I think I'd mentioned this before on, in a previous episode, but, uh, yeah. there, I asked my uh, teacher in the first class, I was like, I just want to, I mean, I did, I was, I was always interested in, uh, the technical side of things and I always wanted to be on set working, but, uh, I primarily wanted it to focus on writing and i asked him i said is this the right school for me he said no <laughs> i was like oh but i was uh, day one <laughs> I, was, I think i was just young and happy to be in college so i was like well i guess i'll just ride this out 
you know, you're like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Despite all the <laughs> payments and, you know, financial. But uh, yeah, it was worth it. Yeah. And it, br- it brought me here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Nat, did you have a good experience at Full Sail? Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think looking back now, I can, I can for sure say it was all worth it because uh, when things get grueling, you start to doubt it like mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, but, sure. Um, in in the last uh, like big like producing class, when everybody was working on everything, they liked my script so much that it actually started getting shopped around. That's amazing. Oh, good deal. A little bit, and I had a, a meeting with a producer like a week uh, uh, after graduation and uh it was awesome it was like crazy that this was happening and then nothing came of it and this is it really goes to show that like networking you know not burning bridges is kind of like the most important thing because now yeah like eight years later it turned into a screenwriting gig because you know they had another movie they were working on they remembered me from back then they had read my stuff they liked it then and they had something else uh, that they needed a writer for and now like that turned into a professional screenwriting job so that's awesome that's incredible that congratulations was... thank you yeah. and one more thing before we get into the meat of this episode now i was sending you an email and i had to click on one of your links because it said your tumblr name is brundlefly for a white guy Oh, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and I said, that is awesome. <laughs> so I clicked on it and it got even more awesome because your background image is Return of the Living Dead 3. Yes, that is my favorite zombie movie. Julie, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yep. If you were a teenage male <laughs> horror fan, Return of the Living Dead 3 was one to watch. Let me just tell you. <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't apply to me, but I get it. (laughs) God, that undead woman really does it for me. Well, she wasn't undead at the beginning of the movie. I haven't. So um, I have yet to ever watch any of those movies in full. Um, But uh, I'm on this. uh, Oh, Nat. Well, Nat, you wouldn't know this. But uh, my friend and I, we were just talking about this in the last uh, episode. Um, My friend and I have been like virtually binging horror movies um during covid to kind of like keep our sanity intact Mm -hmm. um and that's on our list of uh to watch movies and and i'm also adding puppet master by the way i'm very (laughs) now i've been doing the same thing really and i've actually been watching through this franchise with people who have never seen it before that's incredible nice what Um, is uh what what are you getting from that What what are like the reactions mostly i think they're uh because I've been doing like a little bit of uh, intro and background for each one of mm-hmm. like, hey, here's mm-hmm. here's the lack of money they had going into this, or like this one was made directly for Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh and I think context was uh, made uh, made has made it a lot of fun, and that's true. Uh, Puppet Master of the Legacy was made directly for Blockbuster. It was a Blockbuster wow. exclusive. That's crazy. Oh Number one, that's crazy that. Well, that's just crazy. But the, to think that a video store had that much pull to just like it, produce feature films. 
Yeah, and I definitely much would much rather talk about the original than the legacy, which is for <laughs> sure my least favorite. But uh, it, it was the kind of perfect marriage of Blockbuster having clout and Full Moon being completely bankrupt. Okay. And literally not even having the Full Moon logo oh. at the time. They had oh to call themselves God. Shadow Entertainment. Oh, no. And so the legacy was uh, like Blockbuster <laughs> was like, hey, make a Puppet Master directly for us because Puppet Master movies rent really well. And like, that's great, but we can't afford to make a movie. Mm. So it became a clip show um, with a 15-minute wraparound that was shot in two days, one day for the actors and one day for the puppets. Oh wow. <laughs> okay. That, uh, I wasn't expecting that. So wait, so which one is that? That uh, The legacy is the eighth. Gotcha. Eighth one. Okay. Oh my God. Um, Oof. This this business, y'all. It's it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it gets weird. Um, I remember Full Moon as a kid, and it was always they were all they're all direct to to video, right? Yep. Okay. Is Puppet Master sort of like their marquee franchise? Yeah, and Puppet Master. It's definitely their flagship franchise because mm-hmm. it's gone on longer than like Friday the Thirteenth at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was also the first full moon movie okay. uh, Char- charlie had a company called empire in the 80s that had done movies like uh, uh ghoulies and uh, from beyond and had distributed reanimator oh, right and that had gone under and he had seen uh that those movies did substantially better on video than they had in in theaters so going into like 1989 he thought like what if you know, what if we get a company that just goes directly to the video market what if we'd start just Mm -hmm. just cutting out the middleman you know not counting out cutting our losses with theaters and just distribute these movies directly for video stores uh and puppet master was the first and like a huge gamble in that regard sure uh it worked it sold in it rented insanely well and allowed for like the whole thing like full moon still going today because essentially because wow. of that success yeah that's incredible and then blockbuster goes and takes it too literally um, <laughs> and produces yeah. one as a video store very meta <laughs> um well see i didn't know that charlie band was involved with um from beyond and reanimator which now makes sense because i know that full moon did castle freak mm-hmm with um jeffrey combs and i think barbara crampton's in that yep um and that's a movie that i had put off for so long as a kid i don't know why i just like thought it would be dumb and i watched it probably last year and it was awesome that movie rules castle freak is a good movie the cover always scared me well i think that was one of the things that turned me off was that it looked cheap Mm. and i mean it it probably was cheap to make but um (laughs) Because if I'm not mistaken, Charlie Band like owned a castle, yeah, and yes. they would just film all the movies in there, kind of like the Hammer films That's from back in one. the '70s, where they would just like <laughs> live upstairs and then come downstairs to shoot vampire movies. Mm-hmm. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, today we will be mainly focusing on the original Puppet Master, and I think now is a perfect time to meet our monster.
there's a there's quite a few intros in this movie because yes especially in the when i you know being the first time watching this i was trying to like determine who all right well who's the villain obviously like your mind goes to the puppets are the quote-unquote monsters but obviously since it's puppet master someone's pulling the uh strings so to speak um so yeah so really the first time it w- i was actually surprised not to i mean i guess we're kind of jumping into it but I was surprised how quickly we sort of are introduced to puppets and the fact that they're just walking around and have lives and personalities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's a huge thing too, is I think, which is totally a testament to the effects crew. Mm-hmm. The puppets do have like individual personalities yeah. mm-hmm. that come across in this film. And I, that I think uh, kind of really helped to organically pave the way to eventually the films revealing that they were in fact like human beings and that mm-hmm. there are individual people's souls inside of these puppets. And I think that all comes from the fact that the, the puppets are so lively and feel so lived in, in the original mm-hmm. film. Right. Because right. now did they, they knew where they were going with that at that point in time. I, I don't think they knew that at that point in time, I was really puppet master three that kind of revealed all that. Gotcha. But it, it happened really quickly okay. because all of all of that stuff, all of that backstory from Puppet Master 3 of uh, uh, the Puppet Master having a, a show that the Nazis found offensive because it made fun of Nazis um, and uh, you know killing his wife and him putting her soul in uh, Leech Woman and uh, killing off these Nazis and, and fleeing to America, which is all like the basic structure of Puppet Master 3, that actually all comes from a comic book that came out immediately after the original film. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it was like truly immediately on the heels of the original that that kind of stuff came came into being. So part three is, um, is it Two Ons Revenge? Yep. And that one is so good. It's so good. And Puppet Master like, 3 is awesome. It's literally like, how is this movie this good? Because it's like, <laughs> <Right>. like <laughs> this feels big. Like this has, and it's all in the casting and the fact that David Dakota managed to get uh, the universal backlot for filming. So the movie feels okay. way bigger than it is. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and like they only had four days to shoot there, but they, they uh-huh. make it work. And the movie feels like so much bigger than it is and has this crazy cast of of genre like favorites. Like Richard Lynch is in there and like Sarah Douglas from Superman 2 and Ian Abercrombie from like Army of Darkness and everything. And Guy Rolfe from Mr. Sardonicus as, as Andre Toulon in that film. And like these veteran character actors that really kind of elevate that movie. Plus a really good, good script from Courtney Joyner and that one, that one and this one are, well, that one and this one. And then sometimes the second one flip flops with this one are my favorites. So would you consider that like a kind of a tight, clean trilogy if someone were to jump in and maybe didn't want to consume the entire franchise? Yes. Um, I, I think like if people want uh, to have a really good time with, with puppet master, but also kind of get in and get out, the first five were made with with Paramount Films and and had and had Paramount backing and distribution, and everything after that didn't. So, like, if you don't want to stick around for kind of at least a nosedive in budgetary 
quality. Yeah. I think the first five movies, I mean, a lot of these are barely 80 minutes. It's a nice kind of clean <laughs> yeah. watch. It's not really a commitment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's good to know. Uh, so in the spirit of How I Met Your Monster and referring to um, introductions, the first puppet that we actually see is Jester. Yes. He's the first puppet in the whole franchise that we are introduced to. Mm-hmm. Um, Blade is another one. But what's funny yeah. to me... That's the first POV, right? Yeah. yeah. And I get it, right? <laughs> I, I feel like I'm always going to be the cynical one in not just the Friday the 13th episodes, but all of the episodes. <laughs> How did nobody see Blade running around that hotel? That's a question that has been asked a million times. <laughs> because I have, I have a personal answer okay. that I like to believe. Well, which is yeah, because he goes upstairs, and when the lady finally sees him, she's actually walking the other direction, and she like <laughs> turns around and sees him. Yes, but in the hotel lobby, he's like running around people. He's under their feet. He's Nobody the notices him. He's on the <laughs> piano. Uh, okay, so what is your what's your uh, your answer? that andre's been at that hotel he's been li- he's been living there because you know he's not not going anywhere he's clearly been in that workshop a while mm-hmm. i think i'd like to think people just do i was like oh that's the old guy oh, with I love that. <laughs> okay i feel oh, like you just, could uh... you could also argue that this seems like a pretty like ritzy establishment with everyone with their nose upturned they're probably literally not looking mm-hmm. down at the floor <laughs> at... <laughs> right. they could give a shit basically but I, li- uh, I like that. I like the idea that uh, he's like this lived-in guest that people just sort of accept. So like, sure. Also, yeah. I just noticed uh, fun. it's funny when the movie started uh, that one of the op- I don't know if it's the opening shot, but one of the first shots shows the coastline. Um, and I had just recently watched, um, ironically, uh, or I guess coincidentally, I just watched. I know you did last summer and the birds, which are both filmed in Bodega Bay and. Okay. Then this one turns out like all of a sudden the text comes up and it says Bodega Bay Inn. I was like, well, look at that. So I know that was supposed to be like a an actual nod to the birds, but that was a definite homage to the birds, especially because they didn't actually film it in Bodega in Bodega Bay. Okay, sure. <laughs> they, just like they, I'm sure they didn't also film at Yale University. I was like, that. I never, yeah. I didn't go to yeah. Yale, but I lived near New Haven, Connecticut, and uh, I was like, I don't think that's Yale. Yeah. Dan, are you from Connecticut? I am from Connecticut. Yep. Wow. I have I have, I have quite a few stories to tell of Connecticut. <laughs> one of which is the fact that I used to live. No. <laughs> well, I have two things to say about Blade's, um, I guess, introduction. Mm-hmm. One, when he gets knocked down by the door, the birds that chirp like yes. a cartoon. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, that's the second birds reference. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so right. Yeah. Uh, I have a whole tangent I often go on about about Blade's introduction in particular. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. If you look, see, context-wise, Blade is like the icon of mm-hmm. this franchise. Blade's on all the merchandising. Blade has the bobblehead. Blade has a plushie. Uh, Blade has a solo movie. Blade has a, a comic book prequel to the solo movie. Blade's mm-hmm. the Wolverine of this thing and sure. kind of the Mickey Mouse of Full Moon. And he's <laughs> just like basically this whole idea of Blade as uh, 
like like the badass, the stealthy, cool, black, badass one. And when you look at the way the puppets are introduced, even in this original movie, like Jester, you have the cool uh, intro with his getting painted in the workshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Pinhead's creeping out of a, a coffin. Uh, Leech Woman crawling up under the onto the bed. Tumblr has that great like reveal in the doorway, and oh, all of these so are sinister and cool to some degree. And Blade is getting startled by a dog. Uh, <laughs> he runs into a door. Uh, he screams at an old woman. And Blade's introduction actually plays in the original film. Just the the introduction of this character in the original plays way more like comic relief. Yeah. than any of the other characters right well because that's you know when i was saying that he the lady who finally sees him is upstairs walking the opposite direction and she turns around and screams and then like you said he screams at her but it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like he's mocking her yes. he like puts his hands up and he goes ah! yes. <laughs> oh he totally he's like impersonating her he's like yeah that's you that's what you oh, said so what's so is that, funny. Now, was that was that a deliberate choice do you know is that something like they, they were going for that to sort of like subvert an expectation or not is that just i don't know because i you know because there, there weren't really any expectations yeah. for blade at the time uh but it's curious because it's also like not the only time in the movie where those kind of comic relief moments with blade happened because mm-hmm. uh there's also later in the film where he's peeping uh through the keyhole at, Fla- at frank and clarissa having sex and oh, it's like right. his eyes pop out <laughs> right <laughs> uh, uh, and i actually think it was a very uh smart and cool thing i do think it was deliberate and i was definitely going to get to this as i think it was actually kind of a smart and cool thing they were doing with blade in that opening because you know, playing him up uh, in that kind of campy way and really showcasing him, him as harmless. And it's really disarming. Yeah. It's totally disarming for the things he's going to do yeah, later sure. on. Yeah. Okay. Makes him that much more disturbing once he finally whips out his blade and starts yeah. chopping fingers off and killing people. Yeah. And like, <laughs> now that you say it in that, the way... When you said he's looking through the peephole and his eyes poke out, I was curious what was with his eyes because it happens later in the movie too. His eyes poke out. That's um, a thing throughout all the film. His little his little spiky eyes. Yeah. Okay. So that's out. like he's like, like excited dilated or something. People. His eyes. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or when he's like startled. Uh, yeah, it's a thing throughout all the movies, and I was really excited uh, last year when he finally got his spinoff film. Uh, something like I had wanted to see since I was a kid is somebody finally uh, picked him up by the face and the spikes went through their hand. Oh, that's and I was awesome. like, I've been waiting like 20 years for that. That's to wild that it took that long to get to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just right. set up. Talk about Chekhov's gun just like setting up 20 yeah. years late, earlier. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so really the next monster that we see or that we are introduced to is the biggest monster of them all in Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because, I mean, we don't know because he's dead, right? <laughs> but uh, he ends up being the actual monster in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting because I even made a note, like when she's in the elevator and she's having that vision of when he raped that lady in the mm-hmm. elevator, I said, 
oh man, I wrote down, I was like, Gallagher is a monster. And then, <laughs> and then I forgot that at the end, it's, it's, it is, he is the monster. Well, at that point, uh, I wasn't sure if we were working with like unreliable narrators. And I'm like, are they showing us what they want us to see? Or is this actually the case? And then okay. obviously fast forward to the end of the movie and it's, no, that's, <laughs> that's actually, yeah. he's actually a monster. <laughs> My favorite thing about uh kind of the whole uh neil gallagher is one like once he finally reveals himself as a villain he's completely unhinged Mm -hmm. but two like this movie does an awesome thing where uh that's very familiar that another very successful uh film did over a decade later with this twist that the dead body in the room has actually been the one pulling the strings the entire time yep Oh, uh, are we talking about um, Saw? Yes. Oh, Blade Saw. There, there's a there's a connective tissue there. <laughs> nice. And James Wan is a well documented fan of of Puppet Master. That's so great. Okay. I don't know if it was a. I think it would be amazing if it was a totally unintentional influence. Yeah. I want to believe that that was so much in your like video rental DNA. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even like realize you were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that had to have been his, in his subconscious, at, at least, just to sort of... To... Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. But I, I love like, that. Literally, you did the, the saw twist over a decade earlier. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow, that's neat. Oh, I love that. That's, a, that's, that's such a fun way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, no, another thing with Gallagher is um, the repeated dream sequences mm-hmm. um, that, that do get obnoxious mm-hmm. because they, they keep happening uh over and over and as much as i love this movie like it was my number one childhood obsession like i would literally rent this movie every weekend (laughs) um this movie does have like what i call the the built-in pee break where (laughs) um there's a scene that happens uh identically back to back where alex is awakened out of bed to go get all this exposition uh-huh. And then it turns back into the dream sequence, and then we do that entire scene <laughs> over again. That's the built-in bathroom break of this movie. But even <laughs> I love it. Even as obnoxious as the repeated dream sequences are, I really it kind of dials into one of my favorite things about this movie, and I think uh, you know Gallagher's place in those dream sequences uh, dials into one of my favorite things about this movie, which is that it is very. Um, italian influenced okay like this had uh, the dp was sergio salvati who shot a lot of lucio Fulci's films oh, he okay. shot the beyond uh, house by the cemetery uh city of the living dead and it has that kind oh, wow. of blunt plainly lit uh kind of faulty style like we're going to shoot it almost like matter-of-factly but also be very like surreal at the same time mm-hmm. and it has a kind of Fulci-esque uh, tone uh, in that sense and there are all sorts of Italian uh, homages all over the movie um, kind of the, the most uh, blatant of them being uh, when uh, Dana the psychic uh, at the, the fair at the carnival with Barbara Crampton yeah. uh, sees a vision of her own death uh, that is kind of I think very intentionally uh, uh, like explicitly uh, a callback to a scene in Dario Gento's uh, Deep Red, where a psychic is in the middle of a demonstration and gets a vision of her own death 
in the middle of the demonstration. Uh, okay. Does that one start out at the opera? Um, with the bird? No, that's opera. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that one, opera's cool with the spikes on her eyes. Yes. Oh, my yes. gosh. And the bird opera, that very is cool. from the birds. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> um, but okay, yeah. Um, I think I've seen Deep Red. Um, but now that you mentioned opera, I fucking loved opera. That opera's, was good. Opera's awesome. When you mention the fact that there are those uh, Italian influences, it's like, yeah, that's exa- like, especially in those dream sequences, especially the one where uh, um, with uh, Gallagher, when it's just so brightly lit, so everything's overexposed. Mm-hmm. It's like a little milky, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know? There's like yeah. a, yep. a very distinctive look um, that always feels a little unnatural and a little off-putting. Um, but as you mentioned, it's also a great time to go to the bathroom. Um, yeah. I love and that. The fact- that's such a, what, a, what an optimistic way to look at something that's otherwise like considered a flaw. Oh, they did us a favor. They yeah. let us go yeah. to the bathroom break. <laughs> um, and you mentioned Barbara Crampton a few minutes ago, and I was so upset that she didn't get an actual role. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Which she does in the littlest Reich, which is, yes. I thought was really cool. Cause it's kind of like, yeah. it's kind of like giving her what she's owed was an actual role in a puppet master movie. Um, I mean, really, she really did the production a favor. It was amazing. She was even in this one because she was called on the day by Charlie to be like, Hey, could you come down and and shoot something? (laughs) Uh Like she wasn't in the scene. I believe that was her husband at the time beside her. She wasn't in the scene with Irene Miracle who played the psychic. They were acting opposite nothing. Gotcha. Heads yep. like she really came in as a favor for Charlie and just did it like uh, did it and got that's got so out. cool. Everything yeah. I hear about Barbara Crampton is just like she's just aces. She's just so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got yeah. really bummed out because when I right before I started working it, I was pulling up like the cast list and everything just to kind of get an idea of what I was getting into. And I saw Barbara Crampton and I was like, wait, I never. And then I saw a Woman at Carnival. I was like, oh, I have a yes. feeling she's not going to stick around very long. Well, I showed uh, nine of the trailer because she didn't watch it. She usually watches these with me, but she didn't watch this one. And I was like, do you even know what Puppet Master is? And she's like, no. I was like, well, you're going to know. And so (laughs) you didn't watch the movie. You're watching the trailer at least. And Barbara Crampton is such a big part of that. Yes. And Barbara Crampton. And you see her at the carnival and then that's it. (laughs) Yes. She's hugely built in the trailer. That's incredible. In a house of mysteries. This hotel seems to have quite a history, Mr. Gallagher. Who are you people? A research team with special powers. <gasps> My God. She's experiencing the past. Because we are all joined by our thoughts. <gasps> has uncovered an ancient secret. I have something I want to show you. <laughs> Metaphysically speaking, I killed myself. <gasps> But they are playing with an evil force. What would you do with the power? You can't save her, Alex. They have given life to a deadly power. We're all in danger. And now a box of little toys. I think someone's in the room, Frank. Has become a gang of little terrors. Pinhead. Blade. 
Ms. Leach. <laughs> Jester. And Tunneler. <laughs> Irene Miracle. Paul Lamatt. Barbara Crampton. And William Hickey as... The Puppet Master. It, the trailer just ends after the credits roll. It's like, thanks, Barb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we see Gallagher in the coffin. Mm-hmm. Later, when we come back to Gallagher's coffin, we are introduced to Pinhead. Yes. Yes. And for those of you listening, it is not the Pinhead that you all know from Hellraiser. This is a probably two-foot <laughs> puppet with yep. a teeny tiny head and a big body with real man hands. And were those are those human hands? Those are those human are hands, right? Human hands. Okay. <laughs> those are played by a real actress uh, who had to kind of get her fingers up in and uh, keep oh, her like head down. My god. While wow. the puppet is punching is there's some really clever effects. Well, and that's such a cool on. reveal too for yeah. Pinhead because his yes. hands come up and you think it's going to be a full person. Yep. And then mm-hmm. when he pulls himself up, it's just him with his little head. Um, well, what's especially so impressive good. about that is that they're human hands, but then they go into the whole stop motion element. So yes. how are they pulling? Do you know how they pull that off? The, sh- the stop motion shot of him leaping out of, of the coffin, I think, took a full three days just to do oh, that geez. shot. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I think really helped these movies take off was David Allen's Mm -hmm. stop motion uh, Mm -hmm. effects, which are more sparse uh, in this one than they would be in the second one because he directed uh, the second movie. Okay. Uh, And so like, we don't get as much of the stop motion in the original, but what we do get is, is great, especially like with the way the films have been remastered on, on Blu-ray and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that shot of Pinhead leaping out of the coffin—it's it, great. It kind of feels like almost like Pinhead was meant to be the standout yeah. of the original. Pinhead really does the most damage. Pinhead takes out Teresa the maid. Uh, Pinhead almost takes out uh, uh, Dana uh, in the elevator. Um, he has that whole mm-hmm. like chase scene with her, and literally the movie stops cold for this slow dolly shot into the coffin Mm. to reveal pinhead and then just keeps going again right well kind of like you know going back to what you said about how blade in the first one you kind of think of him as like the goofball Mm -hmm. and then you get this nice reveal for pinhead and like you're right you do think okay here's here's the guy right here Mm -hmm. um which i mean it's cool i love when he (laughs) like punches people <laughs> He's got, yeah, yeah he does kind of have like that henchman mentality too like yeah. blades like leader quality where blade could mm-hmm. be he has like the mm-hmm. he's allowed yeah. to be a little sillier because he's going to be disturbing and kind of mess with your expectations mm-hmm. then he sends in his muscle to sort of beat him up loosen yeah. him up before he comes <laughs> in for the kill i love all any of the moments in this series where uh because of uh, of the effects artist or because of like a director's idea that the puppets feel like they have uh, any moment that kind of gives the puppets like actual like like human characteristics or, or even like those weird little quirks they might mm-hmm. have. So one of my favorite things is when Pinhead is chasing after Dana 
as she's crawling uh, down the hallway. And he's just shadow boxing his way down the hall. <laughs> like he's just punching the air and he's just hyping himself up <laughs> as he's going after her. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> You should have Rocky music playing in the background. Dun, dun, yeah, it just fits perfectly. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, that's good. Yeah, yeah this I movie's love, a lot of fun, I, I have to say. It. I had a lot of fun with it. Those, like, yeah. And I think it is, like, I almost feel like if it was taking itself too seriously, I don't know if I would have bought into it as much. But the fact that, like, mm-hmm. even right out of the gate, you're just, just having a lot of, like, I don't even want to, you know, like, be reductive or anything and be like, it was goofy or anything but i don't know i just well, I, guess I mean I... there are there are some of those goofy elements when you go to like the birds chirping when blade gets knocked yeah, that's, out and that's then later fair. okay when pinhead when pinhead they pull his head off and it makes that pop sound like, yes. like, <laughs> like clearly very like cartoonish yeah um which i don't know it's like you said it's fun it's yeah. good yeah I think this uh, this movie operates in a very happy medium between taking itself very seriously mm-hmm. and really not because right. it has those outlandish moments and it has you know this completely lived in like mythology and this mm-hmm. like for what it is for just a movie that could have just been about killer puppets it's people trapped in a hotel with killer puppets. And oh my God, the puppets are going to kill us. It is instead about this this group of psychics who are investigating the secret of the afterlife. And then one of them killed himself to bring himself back, to lure the others there to kill them. And I miss when movies with such a simple like premise could be so convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> which was so like Charlie's bread and butter with like uh, ghoulies. Ghoulies is about little monsters coming out of the toilet, except Ghoulies is actually a movie about uh, a guy who learns that his dad led a satanic cult and he falls back into his dad's <laughs> satanic cult. And then he has these, these dwarves who are his demon servants and they talk him into raising these demons to kill off his friends so that he can take his dad's satanic cult back over. And like, you know, these are such like, it seems like what you see on the box is like what you're going to get. And there is so much more in the little Mm -hmm. package. And I love that about that. I love that it takes itself that seriously in terms of the story. And at the same time, there is a woman talking to a stuffed dog, the entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to jump the gun here just because you brought up the dog. Yes. Okay. So I I I got question too. Yeah, we're jumping, we're jumping right to the end of the movie, the last shot. The woman who you think is the victim in all of Megan, this. Megan. Right. Megan. And then mm-hmm. she, the dog, she turns the dog into a real life dog? Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask. What? Is Was Megan, like, is that like a twist? Was she actually the puppet master all along? Oh, no, it's just that she, she takes it, she takes it over at the end because the, the puppets are good at the beginning because yeah. Toulon uh-huh. is, a, is a good guy. Yeah. And that's why I say, because the puppets are, are more substantially more heroes in these movies than they are villains. Sure. There are my, many more movies where the puppets are the heroes than there are where the puppets are killing people. And I yeah. think that's set up organically when the puppets kill Neil right at the end of 
the original because yeah. that was the first time as a kid that I had ever seen the villains like actually take out the real villain and let the heroes right. escape. Right. But uh, what what really is is you know you're, it's a movie about uh, about inanimate things coming to life. You have an inanimate thing throughout the whole movie. It's like Chekhov's Leroy. <laughs> it's like yeah. Chekhov's dog. <laughs> it's just like if you set up this inanimate dog in the beginning, it has to come to life by the end. <laughs> yeah. And there was a, uh, in 1991, there was a little comic book called Children of the Puppet Master that was an epilogue to the original movie that kind of detailed what happened to like to Alex and Megan next. And that had the best explanation I think anyone could ever have for the why and how of how that dog came to life. Yeah. So what it basically what that comic basically said is that um, you know Megan was like innocent and she was completely walked over by by Neil, who didn't love her, uh, married her for her hotel and her money, and literally killed her parents. And so uh. like he gets eviscerated at the end, but that's not enough. So. Uh, and especially with the fact that like it's human souls and, and living things set up by that point in the comics, uh, she takes the, the juice out of out of Neil, and she puts it in the dog. So Leroy is actually oh. Neil, and he is totally powerless. So that's canon and totally helpless. Uh, I don't think it's canon to the overall franchise, but it was a part of that because those comics but completely still, contradicted like, was... everything. But yeah, that's yeah. what I definitely. Oh, I love would that. Love no, that's so believe. fun. I, Matt, are you wearing a Leech Woman shirt? I am. That. I am wearing a Leech Woman T-shirt. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, that was one of the most disturbing I, parts of I, the movie to me. Well, yeah, I have a, a little history with Leech Woman here. <laughs> Before I had seen any of these movies, my cousin, who's like I think he's two years older than me, um, maybe three years older than me, he would always tell me about. Puppet Master. You gotta see Puppet Master. And they've got this lady, she just like pukes up these leeches and like kills this guy and uh and I was like, dude, I need to see this. <laughs> so I finally when I finally did see Puppet Master and Leech Woman comes on, it was like, Oh my god, this is what he's talking about. He's been telling me about this for so like long. Like meeting a celebrity. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like meeting a celebrity. Leech and Woman should be treated like a celebrity. <laughs> she should. But on the same, on that same wavelength, it is the grossest thing yes. I have ever seen. Oh, well, it especially, is so disgusting. Like the idea of puking up leeches is gross enough, especially when they're so big with, and like that tiny mouth. Yeah. But it's the sounds. It's like that like guttural, <laughs> like pukey. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Uh. My favorite. So Leech Woman is uh my favorite introduction okay. of any of the puppets in the movie for a lot of reasons uh one of which being is that it is the only one that is foreshadowed it's the only mm -hmm. puppet that gets oh, teased yeah. early on yeah with and, when he wakes up or when he's got that dream with the leeches on his belly yes and i am so jealous of the people that saw this on late night uh uh cable did not see the video box with Leech Woman on the cover, did not see Leech Woman talked about in the summary of the film. Mm -hmm. Because uh, when you're uh, seeing the leeches on his stomach, you're like, oh, wow, weird leeches. How's that going to come into play? And <laughs> you, you, you don't know. You have no idea. 
And when that puppet pops up and you have no idea who that puppet is, you have no recollection of that puppet, you've never been told about that puppet, she's the only one that doesn't wear what she does like on her sleeve where it's not physically obvious how she's going to kill sure. you. Yeah. And the last thing you are expecting her to do is that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm literally one of those people. I had no idea what was about to happen. Oh, Danny, I'm so sorry. I was like, this is, I thought the stand by me leech scene was disturbing. And that's always haunting uh, me a little it. bit. Yeah, I'm watching yeah. this. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. Why is Hollywood exhausting the abilities of a leech? I don't know. I don't like this. <laughs> I remember I watched this movie at many sleepovers as a kid, but I, <laughs> I, I remember when the leech goes in Neil's mouth uh, at the end. I just had a friend get up and he walked out of the room. Yeah. It's horrible. Good for him. Good for <laughs> him. Without Ugh. a word, he just like got up and left. Ugh. Well, like you have, I mean, that scene in particular, like not only does he have this leech being puked into his mouth, he's got embalming fluid like pouring out of his severed fingers, his neck's being like broken. <laughs> just, it's just this like cocktail of gross. Yes. Ugh. So in that scene when all the puppets are finally attacking Neil in the elevator, and like you said, everything's happening to him, I wrote in my notes, teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tagline for this franchise. But one thing about Leech Woman's introduction, which I thought was so funny, was that she like comes up from the bed. The other lady's dead, which we'll get to in just a minute. Mm -hmm. But she's like kissing the dude, right? And he mm -hmm. can't tell the difference. <laughs> I wrote that between too. literally between a no woman's idea. kiss and like a wooden <laughs> puppet's mouth, <laughs> a fraction of his size. <laughs> What? It's also he he mistakes uh her touch for these tiny, <laughs> tiny hands. He's like, Oh, I love your gentle touch, Carissa. <laughs> yes. It's literally so much more gentle than normal right now. <laughs> Not even gonna question it. It doesn't feel like wood at all. <laughs> He's like, I'm just gonna be really uh, open tonight. I'm not gonna question <laughs> anything. <laughs> yeah, that 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 whole scene uh is is so out there oh, that's it's so, so weird uh and leech woman is just the, the really the cherry on top of what was ever what was already a weird really long bondage scene. <laughs> right but in that weird bondage scene i think we get one of the coolest reveals in the movie mm -hmm. in tunneler i was yes. gonna say the same when... thing that was one of my favorites too you like, you know, he pushes Blade out of the way to peek in the keyhole. Or maybe it's maybe he just moves away. Anyways, you see him for a second, but you don't notice the drill on top of his head. Mm -hmm. And then the door mm -hmm. opens and it's just that silhouette and the shadow. Yep. So cool. Yep. And with his the long shadow stretching out yeah. in front of him. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that is that was the coolest. And that's also one of my um, favorite kills, even though it's off screen. I love the uh I love the fact that it, I mean, I kind of love that it's off screen. There's just that kind of mm -hmm. mysterious mm -hmm. element. Like what is happening under there? You can, you know, your imagination's going wild with that, with his drill head. And then later at that dinner scene, uh, well, it's kind of a dinner scene when they're all, all the corpses are sitting down. Mm -hmm. You see the effects of like what happened. And it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God. That's a great practical effect. So good. Your mouth completely torn open. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and that's Patrick Simmons who did like all the the uh, prosthetic makeup virtually by himself. Uh, okay. Uh, really, really nailed that. That's definitely my favorite physical, like human effect yeah. of the movie. And I think what's great about the Tumblr sequence uh, is that it's pretty much totally emblematic of uh, like it's it's the essence of what's scary about this kind of movie. It's like what's in, inherently scary about toys coming to life and killing people mm-hmm. is that there's it's hiding like under the bed. Mm-hmm. Is there's oh, a toy yeah. under the bed that could just take you out uh, at, at any moment. And uh, I think in terms of the overall concept, it's the only movie that it's the only one that's really like genuinely uh, creepy in, in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Like there's actual suspense in that at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I used to be terrified of toys and dolls coming to life. And again, <laughs> I told you, like, I thought I had seen these movies, but I don't think I have. And I think I just saw bits and pieces. Um, but I remember when I was I was little, I was uh, sleeping over at my grandparents' house. And there was this, they had this really old house. And they had this, uh, like, glass doll, just like this old-fashioned looking glass doll uh, sitting on a rocking chair, just staring at me. And my uncle comes in and he's like, hey, good night, Danny. And I'm like, good night. And I don't say anything. And he leaves the room. And like 10 seconds later, he walks back in, looks at me, looks at the doll, grabs the doll and leaves. <laughs> He's like, I had a feeling that was not making you feel comfortable. <laughs> so yeah, so good guy. The impact, yeah, 100%. The impact of uh, creepy dolls. Uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. real. Ironically, I actually fell in love with uh, with puppet master like it became an immediate obsession when i was eight years old uh seeing the the action figure series Mm. like i i I fell first for the literal toys yeah (laughs) uh i saw an ad i saw like a two-page spread on them in the magazine and it was literally just seeing the designs of the puppets it was like love at first sight Mm -hmm. and i begged my uh dad to like let me rent the movie we were like off and running and the thing is, uh, part of what fueled my obsession growing up in the 90s is that it's weird to think when these movies are like literally in huge like multi-packs at Family Dollar and everything and Full Moon has its own streaming service. Now, these movies were hard to come by mm. when I was a kid because uh, after Full Moon and Paramount split, all the old movies went out of print. Okay. Um, and the, the toys were new and they were out, but they were like not within, you know, they were sold at like comic shops and I had like one comic shop within an hour from me. And so I would literally like just keep seeing ads in magazines and like see like if I did find one in stores, it would be like a, a Z-list character. Like they made an action figure of Mephisto, who is a character who is only in uh, Puppet Master 2 for two minutes what does he look uh, like mephisto looks like blade at a renaissance fair (laughs) okay uh he's like he's got blade face he's got like horns he's got a wizard outfit on and everything um and i just like was just asking like looking for these toys over and over until i finally uh when i was like 10 I uh, got them all under the tree when when Christmas. Oh, that's awesome! And my my mom was like, "I know he wants them all. I know he's going to need all of them, but I 
cannot get this leech woman. She's the most <laughs> repulsive thing I've ever seen. Oh, so she it's not that she can't get it. She refuses to give that to her yes. <laughs> I love how we're of like that generation where like, you know, transformers like that's the you know that's the market for the kids you know like we're gonna craft a show out of these toys and you're like no i want puppet master and it was crazy because like they were made for kids like that's when you so think yeah. of, of of horror collectible toys they're always basically statues yeah. like they may come with different like heads or whatever but like these were actual action figures. Blade <laughs> so had funny. light up eyes. Tunneler had a spinning drill. Oh Jester, you had a dial on his back where you could make his head spin around. Wow. So, okay, that, that brings me to a question. And maybe I missed it. I've seen this movie a couple times, but I, I think I'm lost somewhere. What is Jester's deal? Like, he spins his head around, but what does he do? Okay, that's the thing. Jester, I don't want to say he's the mascot, but <laughs> he's kind of the mascot because okay. Jester has this unique thing where he's the only puppet in the original that doesn't kill anybody. Okay. Hmm. We are now 14 films in total, including the Sci-Fi Channel movie and the reboot. We're 14 films into the series now. Jester has still never killed anybody. Whoa. That's wow, his thing. Okay. Jester has like maintained like innocence throughout this entire thing. And there's a, I don't want to keep like bringing up comics, but there was a, actually a very recent comic series that went for like 20 issues and did a whole ongoing story where um, uh, that was written by Sean Gabarine, who's, he's a great writer. And uh, uh, this whole ongoing story where in, in the middle of it, the puppets actually, um, seek to regain their humanity and for a time they do okay and there's this great hook where like these characters we know their backstories and everything but we finally see them interact as people but the puppets are still after them and so like if if they're not in those bodies anymore like what is yeah mm -hmm. and so it's a great hook but there's this moment where they all come like back to life essentially for the first time and the character Hans, who was Jester, like he actually holds on to the puppet and he's like, do you mind if I keep this? And like, you've been in that thing for 80 years. Aren't you done with it? He's like, and he's looking at it like fondly. He's like, they were in all bad times, man. Okay. And it hugs the heartstrings and it makes so much sense. Because like, jeez, yeah, he was the only character that never had to like drill anybody in the balls or slit somebody's throat. <laughs> yeah. Of course, he'd be the one that was nostalgic. Right. <laughs> so who yeah, ready to get messy. And you said his name was Hans before. Like, what was his deal before he was uh, basically transported so into it, a doll's body? Basically, uh, Puppet Master 3 sets up that uh, all of these were either friends or loved ones of Andre Toulon at some point in time. Right. Uh, okay. In, uh, in Puppet Master 3, we see explicitly the origins of, of Leech Woman, uh, who was his wife and Blade, who was a doctor who was working under the Nazis, who turned coat to help Toulon and, and was, was killed for it. Um, and he kind of sets up, uh, as he's talking about the puppets, uh, 
that uh, Hans was a, a, a bookkeeper and, and he was Jewish and his, his, his bookshop and everything was, was shut down and, and he was killed by the Nazis. Uh, Pinhead was a truck driver named Hermann Strauss who was um, mm. not uh, Jewish, but he was killed for delivering food to, to Jewish ghettos and Jewish families uh, hiding out. Okay. Um, yeah, and you bring that up again, you you know, talking about um, Puppet Master 3. I just have to say again how good it is. Yes. Yes. Like, it was, when I watched it for the first time, I was not expecting anything. Because mm-hmm. um, I think when I was a kid, I really only saw Puppet Master, the first one. Um, I remember seeing the poster and the and the box art in our video store for Puppet Master 3 with like mm-hmm. six shooter and everybody. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so cool. Um, but it wasn't until I was an adult that I actually watched part three and I was so pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. It's um, funny. I'm thinking about how in scream three, when Randy's talking about how in part three, you know, you're going to have like the past is going to come back to haunt you and all these things are going to be un, un, you know, revealed. And what you guys are talking about with part three, like it, it really feeds into that not i don't want to call it a stereotype but like kind of like why randy is referencing the the you know the trilogy aspect of like we're going to kind of give you mm-hmm. all the good stuff we're going to tell you why all of these events like came to be right yeah. that's so the, cool. the only thing discounting it as a trilogy <laughs> is that puppet master 3 literally ends on the words coming soon puppet master 4 <laughs> <laughs> well that's here we go <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and you said there's 14 in total? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and like Full Moon doesn't like count some of them because the reboot was made by a different company and uh, Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys was made by the Sci-Fi Channel. And so Full Moon is like, we consider there are, there are 12 movies. Okay. But um, there, are, there are 14. You know, okay. it's like if... Uh, it's like it's like if Halloween didn't count the Miramax movies. Gotcha. Right. And so from my understanding, when like the they made the Littlest Reich, they were kind of with Charlie Band, he was like, You guys can do that, but I'm still making my movies. That's the thing. And he had gotten like huge offers for a Puppet Master remake. Okay. And the reason he did that one and just let that be its own thing, let them do whatever they want was that he could still keep making them on his own. Okay. All of the like bigger offers were like, we're going to buy the franchise from you. And he was he would never, never do that. Right. If you're enjoying How I Met Your Monster, we would love your help getting the word out. Subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Spotify share and engage with social media posts and rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. All of this helps bring a larger audience to the show so we can introduce more people to more monsters. Thank you so much. And now back to the show. Okay. So are we ready to go over our best and worst reveals? I think so. Did we, we covered everyone? Yeah. Did we cover everybody? I think so. I think we got all the puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'll go first. Um, my favorite reveal in Puppet Master, clearly we've spoken about it earlier, is Tunneler. Mm-hmm. Just, just such a cool shot, such a great way to introduce 
a character, especially with like, because his drill is so just essential to his, I mean, that's what he Mm -hmm. is. He's that drill showing him in a shadow instead of just him right off the bat, you know, just seeing his shape Mm -hmm. in a shadow was such a cool way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So kudos to them. What I also love about that shot in particular is that, you know, through the like keyhole and everything, Blade steps aside like a buddy. Oh, he's just like, well, yeah. He's like, check it out. out. He steps aside. He's like, you know what? I'll get the next one. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Because earlier I said that, Tunneler pushed him out of the way, but you're right. And like, I knew something was off about that. You're right. Blade just kind of like steps off to Blade's the like, side. I got you. Like, I got you. Hey, yeah. buddy, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, and then my least favorite reveal is probably now. Don't get upset, Nat. Probably <laughs> Leech Woman is my least favorite reveal. <laughs> just like the fact that she. When you see her puke up the leeches, that's fucking crazy. But just the fact of like the first time we actually see her is when she just like pops up from the bed. I was like, you know what that reminded me of? Okay, was uh, the ghost in uh, in the Grudge when she lifts up the blanket and you see her like crawling under the sheets. Like, oh, even the shit. long black okay. hair, kind of like I don't know. Right away, that was the first uh, place my head went to. So I, I thought that was pretty creepy, but. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Whatever, Zach. Not leash. Well, I can say, (laughs) although Blade's introduction is like the goofiest, it was very involved and it was fun. And like the first time you see him is in the reflection of the the piano, um, the leg of some table, you see his reflection, um, which I thought was really cool. And then before he peeks his head out, but. yeah, I'm going to have to go with Leech Woman on this one. Um, all right, what about you guys? Nat, what do you think? Okay, um, my favorite is Leech Woman. <laughs> okay, uh, that. that's fair. For, for a lot of reasons, uh, a lot of reasons, but I, I love that, you know, she does just have that shot peeking over Frank's naked chest. <laughs> she comes peering up as that when you first see her when you have that first shot of her she is the only one in the entire movie where you don't know what she's going to do Mm -hmm. okay yeah and and you just you just really aren't prepared for what she does (laughs) uh and i i I love the the design of that i love it's a kind of a different it fits with the aesthetic of the others but it's different because it's just requires a different totally different mentality mm-hmm. for that puppet it's almost vampiric right oh, yeah, uh, right. When, and in a sense she kind of is a vampire uh, a very unconventional vampire <laughs> yeah. but she is sucking yeah. blood oh wow well, yeah. i i love that i didn't even think of it like that uh, and it's like it's so, not yeah, for me I, but i'm still gonna suck some blood yeah i love that way. introduction it's so weird it's so like uh creepy and unique and then just goes balls to the wall like within a minute and that's like kind of the distilled essence of the movie as a whole for me my least favorite i can't say blade because it's just it's just too endearing (laughs) you know and 
you know, I, I like going on like th- through the franchise after he's like the big badass and after he does all these wild things throughout the movies that he can still have those moments that that takes the piss out of him <laughs> in the original. Um, so I think I might say Jester just because um, it doesn't have the the impact right of the right. others. There's also the fact that it you know completely contradicts in some ways the other movies because it definitely looks like Jester's being made mm-hmm. uh, in that shot, uh, right. which I'm I'm fine with because it was the original. Uh, but yeah. you know I also can pass that off as you know it could it's could easily be a touch up job. You know yeah. the puppets had been through yeah. a literal war; well, they could stand to be repainted. In in Toulon's room, he's got a whole slew of puppets. Yes. And then you wonder, like, are they all alive? Or because, like, why doesn't he hide? Why does he just hide those ones? Yeah. Because he doesn't hide, the, like, the lookout in the window, mm-hmm. who is clearly an alive puppet. But he's yes. like, no, forget you. You're not going. Yeah. You don't get to hide. He actually is in the trunk. He's just kind of. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Good but that, that is that is a living puppet that literally is never uh, seen or heard from again. <laughs> That's like <laughs> so immediately fun. after the opening scene of that movie, it's like Poochie died, you know, returning to his <laughs> own planet. It's just like he's, he's, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of a lookout. Does he have a name? Uh, his, I believe he was eventually named uh, Shredder Khan. And when, when Sean was like, a huge fan like me when he got the opportunity to do all those comics in the past couple of years, he was like, this puppet literally never appeared again. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to bring him back. It was like, are you guys nice. cool if I bring him back? Cause I'm going to bring him back. That's awesome. <laughs> Good. So he got his, his, he got his time to shine. Yeah. And there was also like, he really pulled like stuff from that room in the original because there's also like a Dracula puppet hanging on the wall. Okay that is just like completely inanimate and then he did the story like at some point uh someone like uh goes to a psychic to get like installed in the dracula puppet for like a night so that he can get into the dracula puppet and go kill his wife who cheated on him and then get back into his human body because he left absolutely no trail oh shit that's wild (laughs) that's crazy yeah uh what about you dan uh, I would th- probably say that my favorite reveal was uh, um, Pinhead. Uh, I just love nice. that whole like setting, like you know, be, you know, like with the casket and the dead body, and like I had no idea where it was going. I didn't know what, who the hands belonged to. You know, kind of like what we were talking about, how it's like those human hands, mm-hmm. and then just throws you off, and you're like, oh, it's a doll. Um, yeah, I really thought that was a lot of fun. I also just love that whole sequence with him and uh, when he kills Teresa. Um, but, uh, and as far as my least favorite, I don't know, I guess, uh, I thought everyone had a pretty strong intro in these movies. Um, don't say leech woman or Nat's going to be pissed. I won't. I promise. (laughs) Um, well, how about, can I, can I, I don't know. Can I say Gallagher? Does that count Uh, as a monster? I guess. Because. (laughs) Yeah. it actually totally is a reveal, so yeah. Only because I guess it got to a point where I kind of like saw it coming. So, and okay. I think maybe it was because of all those dream sequences where it was like, 
Well, it's yes. kind of inevitable. Was it, the so. eight, yeah. was it the eight stream sequence that spelled it out for <laughs> Well, I, I actually have a thing where I have um, uh, like a list of like puppet intros and the monster intro because I was trying to figure out like who's the human monster. And once I got mm. to Gallagher, I just have like all these bullets like Gallagher in the casket, then in the elevator flashback, then showing up outside of the casket, then dancing with <laughs> Megan. So the fact that he has all of these like kind of fake out intros and then when his intro comes mm-hmm. it's like okay like it's not bad it's just if i had to rank them i'd probably put that at the bottom of the pile yeah that's that's a, a good point i wasn't even thinking about gallagher um that son of a bitch I'm thinking about reveals yeah he's so sneaky i know mm-hmm. it's gross God damn yeah he's so gross. i also love how he kind of like builds up this thing he's like i will be immortal and then they're like no you will not <laughs> they just kill him really quickly <laughs> well like i was you know i was so confused because he's such a he did all this shit and he's like such a asshole yeah and then he's in the elevator getting killed and the one guy i don't know what his name alex. is uh, alex yeah alex mm-hmm. Is like trying to open up the elevator to stop <laughs> yep. them. He's like, too like, far. Why? I can't. No, too far. <laughs> just, just let him do uh, yeah. that thing. I think it's just it's just a shock when you're in the moment and like the leeches come out. You're like, this is too much. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, this I, is I, way okay. too much for me this to handle. To stop. He's like, knowing <laughs> me in my dreams, I'm going to have nightmares about this forever. I have to interfere. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is too much. Which, I mean... That is probably one of the worst kills in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Dan, a few episodes ago when we were talking about Freddy and we were talking about Ugh, Debbie's I death know you're gonna, yeah. in part four. <laughs> this, for me, this ranks right up there. Really? Not in terms of like, like I could watch this one. Yeah. Debbie's death in Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I, I can't literally really can't watch. watch that scene. Yeah, I have to like look away. But... This one I can watch, but still in just terms of like, holy shit, this is fucked up. Mm-hmm. I think this, his, Neil's death in the elevator is one of the worst. What, uh, um, what is it about it, the kill specifically? Is it just like the being the tra- being trapped and cornered kind of thing? Or Well, I think it's like it's trapped. He's trapped. He's cornered. He's got, what, two, four things attacking him at once. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, they're small and whatever, but they're vicious. Yeah. He's got... Um, Pinhead, oh, I think is holding his head mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. Leech Woman pukes a leech into his mouth, mm-hmm. and Blade's holding the mouth open. Blade is holding <laughs> the mouth hook. open with his hook, and then you've got Tunneler who's like drilling into him somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. It's just awful. That's a good call. And uh, Blade, you know, who put the the knife, uh, pinned the knife into his hand and yes. left it there. Right, so he, could, he takes his swat him away. Oh. Yeah, uh, it's just—I mean, that's a fair it's point. Just so much. That's pretty. It's awful. <laughs> um. So okay. Speaking of awful, now it's time for a section that I like to call the real monster. Run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. I'm not the monster here. You are. You and the rest of that fairy tale trash poisoning my perfect world. Now tell me, where are the others? Eat me! Andre Toulon created a group of misfit toys in the Puppet Master series, but there are definitely other monsters in this movie. Danny, 
who is the real monster in this movie? I have I have two choices. Okay, the go. First is Alex's hair. <laughs> I uh, it was yes. you know given everything we see, it was somehow the most distracting element. Um, I mean, if you're gonna make a toy based on puppet master characters, I don't know why we haven't gotten the wig. Um, I feel like that would right. be a hot seller. <laughs> um, you know, Alex looks like. I don't know. I always butcher his name, but he was in a bunch of movies. Jeff Fahey, Jeff Fay. He was in Lawnmower Man. Mm-hmm. He kind of, uh, kind of does. Well, his hair does. His hair. He doesn't. <laughs> but w- with the hair, he does. Okay. <laughs> no, it's literally like he's cosplaying Jeff Fahey in this movie. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's amazing. I mean, if ever there was a way to, you know, make sure you remember a character, I think they did a killer job with uh, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, who's your second? My second, second is, uh, I mean, it's the puking leeches. It's not even mm-hmm. uh, Leech Woman herself, but it's just the fact that she's puking leeches was just Ugh. so gross. And, this, and I, I would even go further and say the true monster was the sound effects. So maybe the sound department on this movie. <laughs> okay. um, I mean, <laughs> I herald them. I, th- I think they did a great job, but uh, also just terrible. So gross. So effective, though. Matt, do you have any votes for the real monster? Uh, well, mine is definitely... Uh, alex's hair but to to say to say another um i'll go with Teresa, who was uh not not remotely hospital weird weird and spying on people mm-hmm. uh everybody it really speaks a lot to uh your professionalism when like nobody seems that surprised that you might have moved a body just to play a joke on someone and then you literally don't show up you disappear nobody's that bothered to look for you and also also literally the real monster because she's a zombie at the end and mm-hmm. nothing happens to her she could still be roaming the countryside she's right. not stopped i have questions not, like nothing happens. forgot she's about just... Teresa. Yeah. yeah she shows up for like a second there at the end yeah <laughs> Can you please? Because I comp- I meant to ask this earlier. What is the deal? What's her deal? Like, what? Why did she show up as a zombie? Like, was she ultimately possessed in the end? Just as to kind of act well, as sort of like it's uh, like Gallagher said, he was trying to move on to human experiments, and he had tried it on uh, Megan's parents too. So he had presumably turned them into right. zombies at some point. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that answers every. I must have just missed that line or like just forgotten it. That makes a lot, a lot of sense. It also makes sense, like why she's killed because everybody else was was brought there to be killed yeah. because there were a colleague of of his and Teresa didn't do anything. She was mm-hmm. made, so he was like, you know, experiment fodder. Sure. Like, hey, let gotcha. me see what I can do with okay. this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. So she like nothing happens to her. She could still be the maid. She has a spinoff sitcom on ABC. (laughs) (laughs) Teresa. All Um, of her and her hijinks. What is it? Bodega Bay? Yeah. Teresa Bodega Bay. (laughs) Saturdays. Saturdays. (laughs) What shows play on Saturdays? Thursdays at 7. 
And we see the hotel, you know, a lot more in this franchise. So it would be even funnier. That's if she's just running around its background. Um, oh, so great. who is the who's the um, the psychic in the tent who talks to Barbara Crampton? What's her character's name? Dana, right? Uh, Dana. Dana. So yeah. I vote Dana as the real monster, specifically in her drunk dinner rant where she goes off on Megan. Is that right, Megan? Yes. I don't know why. I didn't like learn any of the people's names for some reason i had to like um, memorize all of them because i was getting i was like okay wait I'm, i know me i'm gonna get like so confused <laughs> i made a point yeah. to really try to remember uh well she is just she's just awful to megan in that <laughs> yes. dinner scene when she's you know they're like oh she's drunk this is how she is but yeah I she's think a, very a big, much a monster i think there's a big reason for that i think she's actually literally completely the opposite oh uh, She's my favorite character in the movie. Like she's drunk. Me too. Okay, thank you. I was gonna say I love. I was like, she's, if I could have a drink with anyone, it'd be Dana. There's very specific story reasons for why Dana is acting the way she's acting. Okay, which is she saw before she came here. She saw her death in this hotel. She knows exactly oh. how things are going to go. She's right. drunk as fuck because this doesn't mean anything, and she is actively the whole movie trying to save these miserable people she's doing all these spells she's telling literally telling teresa don't go to the fireplace you miserable sorry fuck and that's immediately where (laughs) teresa goes and she's the whole movie trying to save everyone even though she knows she's going to die it doesn't matter this is all bullshit she might as well be dead already wow i love that good call it's funny because I liked Dana for very different reasons. I'm like, oh, I love her accent. I love her day job. I love, I love that she has a dead dog, like stuffed dead dog that she treats. I'm like, you're like, no, she's actually the hero. She's saving people's lives. She's selfless. <laughs> That's pretty great. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Nat, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode to talk about Puppet Master and all things horror. Thank you. Um, where can our listeners find your new book on Puppet Master? Uh, so the book is currently uh, available for pre-order um, on McFarland, the publisher's site, on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. It's, it's really, it really seems to be uh, pretty well out there for pre-order, and it uh, comes out uh, this September. Okay, awesome. And we will make sure to put those links in the show notes for everybody. Um, and where can we find you on social media? Um, primarily at uh, Nat Bremer on Twitter, and uh, say Brundle fly, fly for a white Brundle guy. Fly for a white guy on Tumblr. Still, that's still there. <laughs> yes, I still try to update it. <laughs> I uh, love it. Our brand new website is now live. You can now visit us at howimetyourmonster.com, where you can listen to the show, sign up for our newsletter to stay current with upcoming episodes. And subscribe so you never miss a moment of the fun. Send me an email at zach at howimetyourmonster.com for questions, recommendations, guest spots, and more. As always, you can find all of this information that we talked about in the show notes. Um, Danny, where can we find you on social media? Uh, You can find me at Danny Slim on Twitter or Instagram. 
Perfect. And you can also right, follow well, our short film that we made, uh, Cottonmouth at Cottonmouth Film. Awesome. We will make sure to yeah. put all of that in the show notes. <laughs> oh, by the way. We appreciate you all, and thanks for listening. Now go meet some monsters. Uh, there's something there. <laughs> we'll, we'll evolve that into a bit.